I started thinking about a body when I got to the U.S. a month ago because all of a sudden, most of my classes are now about bodies. Body in the arts, body in history making, body as a platform, body as a tool, body as a statement, body as power. That made me think. Think and pause. Pause and take a step back. Wait, I have got a body. I'm actually in something. I didn't think of my body as a separate entity, as something that hosts me and something that is a living being. And I have definitely taken advantage of that, of having a body that serves me in everything I do, in building my being. After hearing so much about bodies, I couldn't really help. It just got stuck in my mind. But I couldn't understand why. Well, I knew I couldn't get rid of this thought because I couldn't get what exactly made the body so special, so important. The bathroom of my house on the second floor is precious. Uh, well, my house is big of a statement. We're actually renting it out from a woman named Karen or Karen, but she is somewhat like Karen. Um, anyway, the bathroom is extremely small and old. Small? <laughs> small. Small and old, but cozy. But my true appreciation for this bathroom, though, is because of its ceiling. I sometimes hit my head on that ceiling, and that's rare because I'm just... Um, let me check my profile, one second. Um, curvy of the religion, how is liberal, rigid degree, English, French, Georgian, Russian, Mexicans, five point, yeah, 5.5 inch or 165 centimeters in height. So when I'm perceived as so tall that I can hit the ceiling, I'm happy. That is my happy place. And this bathroom with its green palm tree curtains is a perfect happy place to have a breakthrough and a breakdown. Yep, as I was rehearsing my MTV performance to be dancing moves that will never see the sunlight or the stage light, I started sobbing. <laughs> sobbing like really sobbing my eyes out. And I turned the water off. I was thinking about my body, my hairy, curvy, imperfect body that was never, ever celebrated. I rushed to grab my fluffy towel from the hanger in front of me and immediately put my head inside of it so that others couldn't hear me crying. Men do not cry. I'm still unlearning this mantra I was raised on as a child. As I was sniffling in that fluffy towel that felt very comforting, by the way, my tears just would not stop pouring out. Why? Why is my body reacting to these thoughts like this? What is it trying to say? Healthy life enthusiasts and spiritually spirituals would tell me, listen to your body. I could never understand this saying. I was not in sync, in communication, in touch with my body. I took it for granted. 
I didn't think it existed for anything other than serving me. Hi everyone, my name is Luka, I'm from the Republic of Georgia. Congratulations, the United Nations Security Council has unanimously adopted the resolution on youth peace. I looked at my penis for the first time when I was either six or seven. I don't think I was purposefully taught this, but I just had an impression that I should never look at whatever is down there. But, well, one day I went inside the bathroom, pulled out whatever that was, and asked myself, Luca, what if you just do a quick sneak peek? And I did. And I was like, what the fuck is this? And... I just looked back at the wall in front of me, as if nothing happened. But I looked at it again, and then looked back. Looked at it, looked back. That was my short encounter with my penis. The big one, though, was a few days later when I waited for my parents to fall asleep. I took a flashlight, not the flashlight, an actual flashlight, got in bed, went inside my blanket, and put my penis on the spotlight. Bum, ba, bum, ba, ba, da, ba, da, bum, and I touched it. Uh, I touched it on and off, and then accidentally the foreskin went down. And I was like, oh, wow, this is exactly the one I see in the adult movies. I didn't know. <laughs> I did not know. And that was a big revelation because that gave me some sort of affirmation. Even now that I said the words penis and foreskin, I feel slightly shy. <laughs> what are people going to think of me? I'm damaging my reputation. Yeah. Um, and I tabooed some parts of my body. I wore long sleeve shirts and pants at school to hide a growing hair on my hands and legs. I didn't take off my heavy winter jacket in class so that I could hide my sweaty armpits. I didn't wear shorts because of my hairy legs. I didn't do handshakes because my hands were very warm and excessively sweaty sometimes. And, um, and I hated seeing people wiping off their hands after that on their clothes. I even shaved my legs to get rid of the hair. But of course, my mom obviously noticed it and jokingly said a comment about hairiness and masculinity, which which I vaguely remember, but which made me lock myself inside a room and made me want to run out of the house forever. I was suppressing myself by not going to the beach and swimming up until 2020, when I realized that people have this global pandemic to think about, rather than my body. My body. We were never formally introduced, and the exploration of our relationship has been scary, bumpy, Grumpy, cranky, and all of that. Whatever you can think of. When I was alone in the house, I used to tie the edges of a black bandana over my head and push the rest of it downward on my back to imitate long hair. 
Then I would grab my mother's heels and walk on it for a while. I knew she would come home around two, so I would have time until then. I hated when she came earlier, though. I had to return to the normal state immediately, rushing silently. If I was too late to open the door, I would just say I didn't hear the knock. Maybe that's why the body is so important in queer communities. If you ask me, that touch, that cuddle, that touch, touch, touch that I've experienced with other men have a historical significance. You embrace and celebrate the silenced, tabooed, disregarded part of yourself. At that moment, right there, you own it. You own it. Maybe that feeling of satisfaction is the language I can use to speak with my body. Maybe the physical pain I had for months last year was a heads up to acknowledge it. Maybe that day in Croatia, when I didn't want to get out of bed in my tiny Airbnb room, the night after I let my body be vandalized by someone random, maybe my body was just telling me to stop. To stop from punishing and experimenting with it. I was sniffling in that fluffy towel. My tears would not stop pouring out. I sniffled and hugged myself. Hugged it so tightly. Then I realized I was just hugging my chest, so I kneeled down in that scary bathtub of ours and hugged myself again. It was an apology and reconciliation. After this Oscar-winning, dramatic episode with me, myself, and I, and with yellow dimmed light and palm tree curtains in upstate New York, I really wondered, is it just me? Or this really sounds like a good way to start podcast. What is a body? Uh, I can live in the valley where the lake lies low. I can stand on the mountain and watch the trees grow. I can walk through the dust on a summer night's road that we all go rambling down. Welcome to My Burning Questions, a new podcast series that I will hopefully be able to continue making, in which my most burning questions will be unpacked, discussed, and deciphered. My first guest is Aya, the embodiment of queerness, the mamacita, and the mama bear of communities. My body is, for me, is the like a playground. Uh, I love my body. I love showing it because um, for me it's part of some people define activism in big actions and uh, projects and whatever but my activism is very uh, simple for me is uh, imposing a queer, non-normative, tattooed, hairy, 
shabby uh, body in everywhere in public spaces in private spaces in in spaces where people are not used to see someone like me being um, uh, comfortable in their body and I started, how did you decide to do it uh, it started spontaneously so once I I was aware of my body of its political social cultural potential and meanings and uh, and I started also uh, Uh, not uh, taking uh, in consideration any opinion about it. Uh, it took me so many years also to to be there because. How did you realize it had a political potential? Because um, of people' reactions or like. Uh, comments sometimes even in the uh, the queer community many communities who are oppressed tend sometimes to reproduce the same oppressing systems within their own community and the fact that you've shown yourself and you're showing yourself as you are mm. without any self-doubt mm. at this point mm. uh, what did it give you Uh, I'm more comfortable, I'm less anxious, I'm open to experiment a lot of things, not only related to my body, but uh, related to my life in a larger uh, perspective. The fact that I'm very comfortable and confident with my body helps people Even if, even if I don't, for example, I'm very supportive, uh, I'm very body positive, and, but I don't need to say that to people. They feel, um, they feel at some point, they feel themselves also uh, encouraged uh, to be themselves. There is a, like a, a confidence uh, link created without even discussing that. Mm. Uh, as someone mm. who can finally say that you're not in self-doubt in regards to your body mm. and then you acknowledge your body as it is and you acknowledge its potential and mm. what it can do and what it means to you and the society um, and your surroundings what advice would you give me as someone who has not reached that level uh, who is not in that relationship with their body I don't think there is like a notebook or an instruction book how mm. to do that it's can come in so many ways uh, you can't predict when it can come It's related to so many other factors and uh, it can always evolve on time also. Like, uh, okay, now I'm not, I'm not self-doubting myself about my body. I love my body, but uh, it doesn't prevent me from, uh, for example, questioning myself about Um, the feminine body, am I okay with my feminine body, 
uh, would transition, for example, uh, be something I could think about someday. And I think also it's nice to have questions and to leave them unanswered and to see how life evolves. A them. <laughs> A them. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. I don't even remember what I was saying. No, I just want your relationship with body and skin. And Such I, a And question. I know you have a lot to say. Just outside noises. This is Nico. She's one of those people who you would listen to for hours. Her articulation of thoughts makes me imagine new worlds of perception. And that's also the goal of this podcast, to share with you the worlds of my juicy friends that might inspire, ignite, and invigorate. Everything that is related to body as a package, can you unpack it? <laughs> body as a package, can I unpack it? Uh, I'm not sure if I can, because it's like, I don't know. It, the body is also like uh, the, the 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 lead explorer. You know what I'm saying? My body is the thing that drives me to explore the world and I'm constantly also exploring my body. Mm. So can I unpack it? I'm not sure. How do you unpack something that you constantly learn from? My body being the body of a black queer African South African Hossa woman, non-binary looking, or binary looking, or, you know, person, right? So move, the movement of my body is monitored, right? Mm. Um, because the body is a passport, right? It matters what your body looks like and how you move through space. So... There's that. But then there's my relationship with my body. So not my body's relationship with the world, but my relationship with my body, which, again, for me, is, is a relationship of exploration. Like, I learn new things about my body every day. I learn about pain. I learn about release. I learn about surrender. I learn about joy. I learn about love. I learn about lust. I learn about... Taste, I learn about smell, I learn about Yeah. I learn about it all through my body. Depending on which society you come from, that does influence how you see your body and how you feel um in terms of like what how much access do you actually have to your body? Right, whether it means like you straightening your hair because you want to fit in because having curly hair is not going to is going to make you subject to a form of violence or a form of you know ridicule or if it means you know you you want to augment your body or if you want to you know bleach your skin because proximity to whiteness is proximity to beauty or you know, there's many, there's many things that inform the societies that we live in, you know, first of all, and how they then cultivate the way we see and the way we, we, we experience. And if you're not, you're not existing in a space that allows 
you to celebrate your body in its natural form, in the way that it is, it has grown to become you, you know, then do we then have the, 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 the right start point to even discuss what does it mean then to listen to your body? Because to listen to something, you have to identify its presence. You have to identify that there's an entity here that needs to be heard. But we're not even there yet. We're not identifying ourselves as entities, as as individuals. We're not actually dealing with mm-hmm. the self. Like I was having a conversation with, like, you know, Guzal, for example. We were just talking about gynecologists, right? And how gynecologists don't encourage people with vaginas and uteruses to learn their body in many places in the world, right? Because if you just think about even the functions of the body, menstruation is like such a wild and incredible process that could be the entryway to people listening to their bodies because the cycle tells you so much you know you you know what is happening to your body what if 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 just by reading your mm. cycle and society has made it a taboo exactly and society has made it a taboo so we we live in societies that don't don't encourage that we listen to our bodies and that's a very sad thing 